Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, we have Aaron, Roger, and Doug to join Andrew as we discuss this month's review from the turnbuckle. So, WWE releases a number of people. So, Aaron, are you surprised about some of these uh, releases? A little bit. I think that, uh, you know, when they moved over to NXT 2.0, that there were some of the folks that you understood why they got let go because they were more on the wrestling side and they want to do more sports entertainment and i kind of thought that dexter loomis out of all of them fit that sports entertainment motif so i was a little shocked that they let him go out of uh, all the releases yeah it's it, that is pretty sad he's now going by uh, samuel shaw like he used to i think he went by that in uh, tna if i'm correct yeah i actually think that might be his real name too oh it could be but I'm, I'm, you know, I know like the whole thing with Dexter Loomis. The reason why they did that is because of the whole thing on uh, the show Dexter. So, Doug, I mean, like, is there any other, anyone else you're surprised that they uh, were released? Um, I think the other biggest name would be Dakota Kai. Uh, but after thinking about it, I don't think she would have done well on the main roster. And I think if you are going to an NXT 2.0, uh, she is too much of a remnant of the original NXT. So. Uh, they weren't going to use her anymore. Why pay her? Send her on her way. And Roger, do you think that there's anyone else that they should that uh, that have been released that they maybe should have kept on to? Oh, we I, we've had this conversation probably six times, and there's a bunch of people I'd argue they should have kept. But you know, to Dakota Kai, the whole point Doug was making, and I said this about the Queen of the Ring: Is Dakota Kai the type of woman that Vince sees as the ideal, you know, figure that men want to sleep with? No. Is she going to fit in what they're looking for with NXT 2.0? No. Then it's time to let her go. Malcolm Bivens, I don't understand how you can't find a spot for a guy who can talk and be a manager. That's bizarre to me. That's a dumb release, but that's WWE in a nutshell. Dexter Loomis is a bit too old, so he doesn't fit what they're doing in 2.0. Him and Indy's storyline already concluded. Um, so I'm not shocked about any of these. It's just kind of the way WWE is doing things going forward. And, you know, speaking of releases, AEW let a couple of people people uh they just let the contracts expire and one of the big ones i think is joey janelli um i mean do you think that that was a smart move joey janella sorry um do you think that's a smart move roger look joey janella at the beginning of aw made sense but once you get the kind of talent that they've imported you don't need a joey janella anymore it just is what it is it's the nature of the beast joey janella's profile his race he's former AEW. you can call himself AEW original no problems with that whatsoever i wish him no it will but there isn't enough time for a guy like joey janella to be on your show anymore so it's time to move on and let him do other things and unfortunately the same is true with Stu grayson it, you know at a certain point you have to say look it's tv time there's a limited resource do i spend that time giving it to swerve or keith lee or powerhouse or ricky starks or do I give it to Stu Grayson? I think the answer is pretty easy. So Stu Grayson's talented, good dude, enjoyed his run with Dark Order, but time to move on. I was a little surprised with Stu Grayson just on the fact that he was in a somewhat successful tag team with uh, Evil Uno uh, to let him go. But I do believe that AEW has been doing some contracts with people that they released where they're just going to do limited uh, appearances. So I don't think it's the end of Stu Grayson in AEW, but he won't be on a full-time roster, so he can go and do his own thing and come back when he wants to, I think, and make an appearance here or there. But uh, like Roger said, you, you've got such a, a great roster right now. Um, it, it's sad to see some of the original people go, but um, you know what? you gotta you got to keep improving, and you got to keep getting uh, eyes on the product. So these are the people that are going to come time to move on go somewhere else build up your name and then you can come back and uh, start again and aaron with these contracts the name go is is the is it true that the rumor the reason why they're letting this happen is because they're going to bring marco stunt back in wow i mean like you just had to go there didn't you yeah yeah i no. so i definitely echo your guys's thoughts i i will say that when you have keith lee and Swerve Strickland wrestling on elevation, you know, a couple of times. It's like, what are you going to do with Joey Janela? And like, look, 
he when he came in, he felt like a backyard wrestler, you know, like kind of that indie wrestler where it was like, is he going to do much here? And like, you know, he had a, a tag team with uh, Sunny Kiss and then they had like a little feud that they did, you know, on elevation. But it's like I didn't see anything in him. And unless you see money in somebody and you think that, like, you know what, I should have Joey Janela do a, a program instead of Adam Cole. You know, I mean, look, there's no comparison. And so there's a lot of contracts I think that we're going to see that will expire. But at the same time, you know, I know Roger had mentioned this a a few months ago is that you do need to still have some of that lower card talent in there. But there's a lot more lower card talent that is way better than somebody like a Joey Janela. And uh, what 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 do you think's really going on with the whole thing with WWE? They say that there was a scheduling conflict uh, for their next pay-per-view money in the bank. was it they couldn't just basically hang the case uh, that high up or was it a, is there another reason? Well, they were going to be at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas, but they moved it to the MGM Grand. And it's because it, it holds fewer people. And when you are not going to be selling out a uh, football stadium, you're going to have to go to a smaller venue. And while Money in the Bank is one of their more staple pay-per-views, I mean, what is the most exciting thing going on in WWE right now? And for some people, it's Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. And that's not that exciting. You know, so like a lot of times people buy the product and sometimes people buy the pay-per-view. And I think this is a case where neither one is really exciting right now. And so it, it does not surprise me. I mean, Hell in a Cell is, is down the street from me. And I'm debating whether or not I'm going to be going to that pay-per-view. And most likely I'm not. I feel like once upon a time, there were certain events that you would maybe go to. Oh, I want to see a Survivor Series big pay-per-view for the Survivor Series match, or I want to see the Royal Rumble for the Royal Rumble match because it in itself is a draw. And at one point in time, I think Money in the Bank ladder match was a draw. But like anything, it's been done over time, over and over and over again. It's not that important. And and to Aaron's point, how many things in WWE are you really excited about to say, I want to go pay money to see? And I'm not going to go to pay to see a stadium show of Money in the Bank. That's just not that important. So... Yeah, it, there's there are certain events I think they can still a stadium a stadium for, but not money in the bank. It's it's just not that important, and they're not that hot right now, in my opinion. All right, so let's talk about WWE. There's really not much been going on, even though they had a couple pay per views, um, or special events or premium shows, whatever you want to call them. But uh, Usos now both hold both tag belts for Raw and SmackDown. I mean. You know, where are they try where do you think they're really trying to go with this, uh, Roger? I think you're assuming that they have a long term plan, which is probably the snake number one. Um look, it's it's a it's a classic um one faction holds all the gold storyline. We saw it with the horsemen back in the NWA, we saw it with evolution, we've seen it with other storylines where it's hey, you know, they're both tag champions, you've got both heavyweight titles, the mid-card championships are basically worthless, so all of the important gold, with the exception of the women's titles held by the bloodline. Uh, I have no idea where this is going. I have no idea who this is building to. I don't even know that they have enough tag teams for one division. So to be quite honest, it does make sense to have the Usos have both belts because can we name six tag teams? Like if they did a tag team elimination chamber, could you fill it up with tag teams that are established? I don't know that you can name them across both brands. Maybe if you include NXT, but that's, that's a shame. So eh, fine move. I, once upon a time, I might've cared, but not right now. Let the Usos hold the belts because clearly tag team wrestling just does not matter in WWE. Uh, it's, it's it's WWE. Let's just give everything to Roman Reigns and make everything uh, revolve around him. Um, I can't wait until they include is the Rock had as a daughter now in NXT. So she'll become part of the bloodline and, be, and get both women's titles. And the women's tag titles. I believe that she's called the Pebble. Is that right? You think, she'll be, you think she'll be tagging with Naomi to win the tag titles? Two members of the Bloodline? Or is that storyline not in the... You think that's going to play? I don't know. Give, give, it, give it a little bit of time. We'll, we'll find out. What about Nia Jax? Does she come back and just be the tag team titles? <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's some sort of whole construction issue that might be a problem with her. So maybe <laughs> can't do that. Yeah, Definitely a problem with the whole. Situation. I think she's focusing on controlling her narrative at the moment, though. So that's probably the direction she's going to go. Yeah, with uh, I definitely echo uh, Roger's thoughts and how the tag teams are just not treated very well there. Um, you know, I I would like to know 
kind of where they're going. But the problem is that there aren't any good face challengers, I think, just in general. And it's literally booked around one person. And we know how that can go, because if there is a, a major injury that happens, if there's you know somebody taking some time off, then you know we're not talking about that at all. And I mean, speaking of which, Roman is going to be off for the summer. So, you know, Roman is apparently he's off filming a movie and they put both titles on him and he's not going back until SummerSlam. So the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, not to be seen. You know, he hasn't been seen on TV for two weeks and he's not going to be on seen on TV until closer to SummerSlam. And so they're going to have Paul Heyman apparently do be the hype man uh, leading up to that pay-per-view, which is just kind of ridiculous. Andy, for your thoughts on this, I know that you love Roman. You know, you book him tremendously in your e-feds that you do. What do you think about Roman taking this time off while holding both the major titles? Oh, I mean, you want to keep, you want to have the belt on him, but his, I know what they're going to try and do. They're going to say, oh, look at this. Uh, he held the title for so long. Yeah, but he also took three months off. Um, I don't know what the point of them doing this now is uh, b- besides that. I mean, that's the only thing that I, and I'm reaching on that. I just, I don't know, man. I, I just think it's, I think it's dumb to do that to him. I, I think that this is not the time you want to take your champion that, you know, you just resigned and you had him win, you keep the belts and then you don't do anything with them. It's just stale. So now you have no, you have no championship for what, you know, uh, the next two, three special events, and then you have, or at least the next two, and then you have him do a one-off for SummerSlam, and then he's going to be off until, like, probably a Saudi show, and then come back for Survivor Series. That, to me, stinks. And and it'd be one thing if he was a powerful champion or someone you're like, whoa, man, like, look what he's doing. He's he's doing something. But it's Roman. That's it. So. I mean, it's just prolonging the amount of time he has as champion. That's that's really all it is. Although I do kind of have the question of now that um, we'll get into a little bit later, AEW's championship title scene or everything like that. But uh, how how fast do you push a Cody Rhodes, or how do you fast do you push everybody else to be a potential threat, or is that what this summer is going to be? Is number one contendership is going to be the new belt technically that everybody's fighting for? I would agree with you, Doug, if we hadn't already seen what they do when the champion disappears, which is basically nothing. They don't treat the number one contendership like a title. They don't treat it like something to be earned. It's just the champion's gone. We don't talk about it. And then randomly two weeks before the pay-per-view, oh, or the premium live event, we just randomly have a number one contender based on some singles match out of, you know, that we pull out of our backsides. (laughs) Dolph Ziggler's been on a losing streak for the last three months. And now he has a championship title match. Yeah, Jinder Mahal. Let's just make him the champion. Um, This goes back to the conversation that we had kind of coming out of the Rumble, which is why did you book everything around Brock and Roman knowing that they were not going to be here post-WrestleMania? Everything about this was a mistake. It was short-sighted. It was done for a match that, I'm sorry, that match was not the reason people bought WrestleMania. Stone Cold alone would have been enough to sell WrestleMania in Texas. You didn't need Brock versus Roman. And if you wanted to do Brock versus Roman, you could have done Brock, Roman, and Seth, and Seth walks out as a champion again, and now your champion is here. Seth Rollins would be a fine dual world heavyweight champion. He could be having a feud with people like Cody and all the other people still here, and we'd be enjoying it, and it'd be great. You know, great as far as WWE goes. But instead, you've got a champion literally absent. You don't have a heavyweight champion on your show and may not have your heavyweight champion for another two months. That stupid to me that again i feel bad for the people who have to watch this week in and week out and try to follow along with the long-term plan if there even is one because this seems very haphazard and for all the guff that they gave naomi and sasha it looks like they're rewriting everything on the fly anyway so who really cares yeah so that that's just pretty sad uh overall the whole situation with roman but you know, we, we need to talk about what just happened with uh, AEW. Double or Nothing took place in Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, the Jericho Appreciation Society defeated, the you know, the BCC, which I'm still kind of confused by uh, why they went that route. But, uh, you know, I'm just curious, Roger, what were your thoughts on the match itself? I thought it was perfect. I thought it was exactly what 
you should do when you have those 10 people, which is you have the classic sports entertainers, you know, the JAS, the leading faction of for 11 weeks in, in sports entertainment. They're great in their role of being basically the WWE type guys. And then you've got the violent mocks, Brian Danielson, who's just here to kick people's heads in Eddie Kingston, who's out for revenge and PNP. I, I liked it. I loved that The music kept playing. I thought it was a great spot to have Jericho pull the cord and basically get the heat from pulling the music. It was bloody. It was violent. And also the way it ended made sense. Danielson had him beat. If, if Eddie Kingston, who's basically so consumed by rage or maybe just zombie brain, doesn't come in there and pour gasoline on him, it's over. He's getting tapped out. So it was a great way to make Danielson still look strong. It shows that Kingston cares more about revenge, and he often is his own worst enemy, which has been basically the Eddie Kingston story. He is literally his own worst enemy. And meanwhile, you set up Jericho to probably be the uh, – he could be the next contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't think he's had a title match since he lost to Mox. So if he's the next guy to challenge for the title, I think it works and, and he can be that guy. So good match. I enjoyed it. It was very different. It was a great, you know, hey, this is just a bloody brawl. This is what the crowd wanted to see. I have no problems with this. I am glad this wasn't Stadium Stampede. As Mock said, that was a different time for a different era. That works in the pandemic. I don't need to see that ever again. That's we're done with that. Uh, I agree a lot with what Roger said. Um, I thought it was very interesting, just the different stuff that goes on in it. Um, Storyline-wise, I thought it was actually kind of interesting to have uh, the um, Jericho Appreciation Society uh, win. Um, but you do have Jericho reinventing himself again, becoming a, a wizard. And I, I mean, this is just a, a grand opportunity for him to elevate again and come come again and be the champion or, or fight for the championship again and make another uh, another staple for him. So <laughs> uh, I, I do appreciate what Jericho has done. And but I, I just I, I really was baffled at the fact that they let the quote unquote sports entertainment when AEW does seem more of a wrestling company uh, win. So. I'm interested to see where they go with it, if the feud continues or whether or not uh, this is the the one-off and, and they did it. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. And uh, I do look forward to hopefully a, uh, a second match, but I, I don't want to see 50-50 booking. I, the one thing that's interesting is Roger laid out logic in the reasoning having the Jericho Appreciation Society winning because when I watched it, I was like, wait, why are they winning? Like, this is dumb. Like, Eddie Kingston should get his revenge for what Jericho did to him. Like, this is a mistake. I don't understand why they're having them, having them win. But what Roger said just, like, made perfect sense because it's, it is Eddie Kingston is his own worst enemy. And I think it's sad to say, but I've been conditioned for the last 20-some years of having a very, very simplistic storyline and a simple, like, you know, the good has to beat the bad guy. And this actually is kind of like the Dark Knight, you know, in a trilogy, right? It's the second one of the Empire Strikes Back, if you will, where there is going to hopefully be a redemption arc. And to Roger's point, Jericho challenging for the title, him and Punk have history. You can see that as a main event on a Dynamite that's hyped up for a couple of weeks, um, potentially even at a pay-per-view. But um, that actually does make perfect sense. I wouldn't have mind to have seen, you know, the Blackpool Combat Club get a win here. I think if you were going to have the Jericho Appreciation Society get a win, I actually would have liked to have seen uh, somebody else involved in that. I know it was Jake Hager and Jericho involved in, uh, you know, putting Brian out. I would have might have seen Daniel Garcia just so that way Daniel Garcia would have a claim to fame and he could say something like that because I think out of the group, he's the the young star that potentially could be something in AEW. I think that'd be my only like major nitpick with it. But other than that, it was it was a fun show. You know, it was a fun match. What would the problem with the name of the Blackpool Combat Club? BCC. Should they have been the BBC? The British Broadcasting Company? Yes. I think you might want to stay away from BBC initials. Just going to go on a limb here. Thank you. <laughs> rather probably go with BCC on that one. Just, I'd rather be a blind target copy than the opposite. All right. So AEW had uh, had a bunch of women's matches, which is uh, very unusual because we usually don't get to see that, even though we had one that was uh, a tag match. But uh, Britt Baker uh, won the, uh, the Owen Hart Cup. And uh, the former Ember Moon, known as Athena, is actually now in AEW. But... You know, the other thing that happened, uh, I mean, Aaron, do you want to you want to talk about some of the uh, other things that happened as well? 
Yeah, there were there were a number of things. The only thing I would say is I felt like the T and T the TBS title didn't necessarily need to be defended on the main show. There were a lot. Of, there was actually a number of matches that didn't need to be on the show, in my opinion. And I just didn't feel like Anna Jay deserved a pay per view match. Uh, I, she just randomly came out. It's like, okay, we're going to pay-per-view match. Very similar with like Kyle O'Reilly and, and Darby Allen. It's like, oh, I guess we're going to pay-per-view match. It was a good match, but whatever. Um, obviously having, you know, Athena, the former Ember Moon come out, uh, and then Stokey, uh, Stokely Hathaway come out as well. You, you're you're going to have the um, uh, debuts for a pay-per-view. I understand that, but I just felt like maybe this match, I don't know. I, I don't know if it really needed to be on there because Jade Cargill can make easy work of Anna Jay, or at least she should be able to. Again, because yeah. they did fight before, and I thought that was pretty interesting that they brought that up in the the lead up to the match. It's like, why am I fighting you again? And I mean, again, I whooped you the first time. I will say, if they are building a story, the first time Jade easily dominated Anna Jay, and the second time Anna Jay pushed her. This was a much closer match than round one. And this time it actually looked like Anna Jay belonged in the ring with Jade. And so if you were going to do a round three, you could actually logically see the progression where maybe Jade loses. She gets cocky. Anna Jay steals an upset, something like that. So I don't mind that in that case. Also, you got to remember they were going up against game seven of the conference final. So they needed to fill out time. This is where you have to have extra matches just in case if that game goes to overtime, you don't want punk and hangman starting and people are not tuned in. So I don't have a problem with them kind of filling it out. Darby versus uh, Kyle was a fun match. It was great. Um, Here's the thing I'll say about the women's matches. Britt Baker is honestly their best homegrown star. However, I'm not so sure she's really helping the division anymore. She's winning too much. She's probably backsliding. If you look at her ring work, it's not improving anymore to the point where there's an argument that she's maybe the sixth best wrestler in the division. I think Jade maybe has surpassed her at this point. Tony Storm was already better. Amber Moon was already better. Um, Chris Statlander, in my opinion, is better. Ruby Soho was already better. Like there are Tay Conti has going in the right direction while Britt's going in the wrong direction. Thunder Rosa's already better. I think Serena Deeb's already better. So there are plenty of arguments that Britt Baker is not one of the top tier wrestlers in this division, and yet she's winning all of the time. And you're like, hmm. You know, Adam Cole winning his cup made sense. One of the top stars, he needs a win. He lost to. Did Britt really need this victory? Other than to do King and Queen of Hearts. Did the women's division get any better by having Britt Becker win this over someone like a Tony Storm or Chris Statlander, you know, and name somebody else? I, I just I don't know that Britt Baker's helping the division anymore. I think she's starting to hurt it at, to a to a detrimental degree. I will say that I had originally picked Ruby Soho to defeat her. And then it's kind of like, well, they're going to have a king and queen of hearts. You know, like it makes sense. It's going to be a couple. Um, but Ruby Soho should have probably won that. Like if if we're booking it, you know, in a better wrestler. I will say to your point, uh, Britt Baker has definitely plateaued as a in-ring technician as a character. You know, she's continuing her arc. And and so I think that's the big thing with the women's division, Chris Statlander. Now she actually has more of a character, but like promo wise, I mean, Britt Baker is definitely the best. Jade Cargill is probably the second best, I would guess, promo for the women's division, I would say, but you have a lot of others that are up there now too, you know, like, like you mentioned, Tony Storm, Ember Moon is going to be fantastic. I think she's going to be a, a much-needed shot in that arm. And those two are going to be – I think those are the two that will probably help move things forward a little bit more. I think those are the two that you could potentially say, like, they could take a title off of you know Jade or they could take the title off of um, Thunder Rose potentially. Um, so, Ann, I'll say this. Do you know what you just described for Britt Baker? You described Roddy Piper, a great talker who's mediocre in the rain. But last time I checked, Roddy Piper wasn't on top of the division for a reason. He always had a great segment. Piper's bit was fantastic. But he didn't have 24 inch pythons, though. That's the problem. Uh, but I mean, truth be told, even, you know, if it wasn't Hogan, Savage should have been the champion. I think none of us would disagree with Randy Savage leading that era, but it shouldn't have been Piper. He wasn't the guy. And I don't I don't know that Britt Baker is the woman who should be leading this division anymore. I understood her push. I really did. But she's plateaued and plateaued to a point that like her matches are constantly the least invested by the crowd. There were four women's matches and three of them the crowd was into. And then there was Brits. And this has been a recurring theme over, unless it's a hardcore match, I don't think the crowd enjoys her matches. And that's a problem to be the face of the women's division if people don't care about your matches. Yeah, that overall, I think, I think that's actually says something though. You know, 
at least at least I can say one thing. I thought Ruby Soho did look really really good in her, in her match against uh, Britt. So that was the one thing that I I did in, and I think Ruby did help hold her own. I don't think really Britt helped her a lot, but I think it shows that yeah, definitely Ruby should have won that. But they're gonna have a couple, so they have Adam Cole and Britt Baker because they're the AEW couple. Anyways, so um, something that uh, I thought was really interesting was uh, that. Of course, uh, Wardlow comes out uh, first match of the night against MJF. And uh, Roger, what did you think about the the outcome? Right outcome. Um, look, Wardlow needed to win. There's no question about that. I think all the extracurricular nonsense probably made it so that you needed to get this match going first. And it was a domination like I expected. I think the big question here is, where do you go with Wardlow from here? Because, and we've seen this in the past, and I'm going to use Miz as the comparison. I remember how over Alex Riley was when he feuded with Miz. And then the moment he left Miz, it kind of tanked. I remember how over Miz Dow was when he was feuding with Miz and being the stunt double. And then he left Miz and it tanked. I'm not saying Wardlow is those guys. I'm saying I need to see Wardlow with and against someone else who isn't the biggest heat manic in the company before you start telling me that this is the next future star. Because he's been built very well, but he's also been going up against MJF, who gets a reaction everywhere he goes, anytime he goes. So, you know, if we put Wardlow in a match with Scorpio Sky, does it get the same reaction when MJF isn't involved? I don't know. And that's what I need to see. If Wardlow's going to be one of your next four pillars, then he needs to be able to do it without a guy like MJF next to him to carry the feud. All right. Um, so uh, I think we, we want to go right into it. So, Doug, what happened for the main event of the night? Main event, you had a hangman pitch for CM Punk, and um, it was a uh, you know it was as expected for for me. Uh, I thought it was a wonderful match, uh, and that finally br- broke down and and just. Uh, you had Hangman have his uh, typical uh, dilemma of a moral moral outcome of whether or not he uses the belt to to take out Punk or whether he just does it normally. Uh, then it, he goes for the buckshot lariat, but because of his delay, it uh, allows Punk to get the go to sleep on him, and then gets the one two three to become the new AEW champion. Um, I know we were talking about it before. I think this is a good move. I don't know how much time left CM Punk truly has. Um, I know he has a long-term contract, but let's get the title on him. Let's have this become a new summer of Punk. Hmm? Hmm? See? Yeah. Let's see what, see what he can do this summer. And there's so many... Uh, I, I truly think that he could build up another homegrown uh, person by being the person who beats Punk, whether that's going to be... Uh, you know, you have good feuds with Eddie Kingston again. Um hopefully mjf i would love to see that again uh towards the end of it but you also have the potential like every other uh punk run with a belt he's eventually going to turn heel uh so i mean i absolutely love the the last couple segments with uh hangman that he kind of called punk out on that and the fact that he was trying to defend AEW against uh cm punk and what he's going to do to the company so We'll see. I think it'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of good storylines that are going to come out of this. Uh, but eventually, uh, I think you will see Punk when he eventually loses. It'll, it's it's going to be a big, big moment for uh, some probably younger uh, upcoming talent. Um, I understand the reasoning for putting it on punk. And I, I think people are overreacting to the, Oh my God, this is WCW again. And we're bearing all the young talent. Look, there is a big difference between burying homegrown talent and having the established star win. If this were a trend where, you know, he shows up on night one and he beats the champion. Fine. There's a discussion to be had. CM Punk has been back for six months. He is, hasn't been in WWE for over 78 years. The idea that he isn't, you know, if AEW existed when Punk was on his run, he probably would have went there instead of WWE. Let's be quite honest. He fits in um, historically more as a ring of honor champion and in, independent star he is you know he paved the way for the guys who follow behind him so i don't have a problem with this i don't know that i would have gone this direction personally speaking but i understand why they did especially with all the execs going to be there at the forum you have your big name win the championship 
the bigger question for me is Adam Page. Where does he go next? Because like Doug said, he had kind of this moment of conflict. I think before when we saw him lose, it kind of broke his spirit and he had to build himself back up. I think now this time, now you see that he tried to be the good guy and it didn't work and it cost him, you know, very similar to how Piper decided not to use the belt against Brett back in the day in mania. And then he lost page could have hit him with the belt and knocked him out. And he didn't, he went for the buckshot cost him. He loses in a go to sleep. So be it. Um, Doug, wonderful match or wonderful story within an okay match, because there's a level of sloppiness that I expect from WWE that I don't give AEW the same leeway for. And that was a sloppy match. I mean, how many busted buckshots do I have to watch before you try, try do a different spot? How many superplexes do you have to do that? You almost slip down and fall like one mistake. Okay. Two mistakes. Hmm. Three mistakes, four mistakes. That sharpshooter. That's ugly. I mean, I just I don't know that I would call this a classic. I would think the storytelling was phenomenal. Five star story match wise. Mm, two and a half, three. I mean, I even Punk said this ain't going to be a five star classic. And it wasn't good story. But this was not Omega Page. This is not Omega Okada. This actually reminds me a lot more of Punk versus Cena back in 2011. But it didn't have that nearly hot storyline with the pipe bomb and everything. So you know, it's fine. And I don't, I don't think this is a bad match, but I don't, this is not of the matches we saw. This is maybe the third worst match of the night. This was not a very good match. This was an okay and acceptable match, but I, I've seen better from both of them. I've seen much better from both of them. Yeah. I mean, punk for the most part one, I mean, he's, you know, in his mid forties now, right? Like, so he's, he's getting up there in age and you know, the best in the world, that's, that's a moniker, right? Like, Daniel Bryan is probably, I don't know, he might be the best wrestler that they have there. But, you know, for for Punk, he's just, he's the best talker, you know? And so, like, him and MJF together, it was it was money. I mean, that was amazing to, to see those two go toe-to-toe. And I think that's where Punk really thrives. And to Doug's point, you know, if he does turn heel, to kind of see that and to see him maybe show some heelish tendencies, I think that will be an interesting storyline they have a lot of people who could potentially take the title off of him, you know, a lot of young talent that he could put over and I'm fine with that. And I think, you know, I don't know. I think Adam page may not be done yet. I think that there might be something they might come back together. I'm not saying at a pay-per-view, but they might do it at a dynamite, you know, or do it at a battle of the belts if they do something like that. But I think that these two are, they're going to come back together. Maybe not very soon, but I think soon enough is what I'm kind of expecting. But Adam page after that, I mean, the dark order is kind of fizzling out a little bit, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, Kenny Omega at some point in time has to return. I maybe him and maybe they come back together and they become friends again. Maybe page, you know, goes back to the young bucks and he's like, you know what guys, come on, like we're friends, you know, and you can have that kind of like conflicted good guy with a bad guy sort of storyline. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different ways they can go. Uh, the thing that is exciting, that means that Wednesday nights are fun to watch again. And that's the thing that I like, because at least there's something going on. Um, let me, kind of follow up on your point and Doug mentioned this too. I think everyone is assuming that we're going to see a CM Punk heel turn because that's what we've always seen in the past, right? When he won the ROH belt, he basically said, I'm taking this to WWE. When he won the WWE championship, um, I think it was like after he cashed the money in the bank, he turned heel. I think it's a fantastic way to subvert expectations that instead of him being actually the guy we suspect him of being that in fact, Adam page is the one who turns heel. And to me, if I were doing this, I'm booking Page to cost Punk the title, and I would have Page, MJF, and Sammy form a reverse NWO. And they basically say, instead of letting WCW go down because of the outsiders, we are going to defend ourselves from the outsiders, from the company that we built. We are the three pillars, and we're going to fight the guys like Cole and Danielson and Punk who come in to steal our spots that we earned while they were getting kicked out of WWE, and that's how you make them heels. Because I don't see really any value of turning Punk heel yet because you just don't need to. Whereas Paige is a heel. I think there's a lot of space there. You've already seen him be anxious. We've seen him get built up. And then he loses to the guy who comes in that no one should trust. I A bitter and angry cowboy is a very interesting story in my opinion. And what a perfect way for MJF to steal the title by a heel turn NWO style move. And now you've got the biggest sleazeball as the champion. I think it's a win-win for everyone. That actually might not be a bad idea because, you know, I think with AEW, well, as wrestling fans, I enjoy watching it. I tune in Wednesday to see it live or live ish. 
but they don't have a big storyline going on right now that's really increasing their ratings a ton in the same way WCW did. I, you know, it's it's fairly plateaued. You know, like it goes up every now and then. But to have something like that, which could get people talking, I think would be a good idea. And do, do you think he's actually going that they're actually Punk will actually put Page over at some point though? I I would say if, for example, like in my world, let's say winners coming three, Page costs Punk the title and MJF steals it. I would see eventually Page getting the win over Punk. I, I think Punk would win the feud. But I think Page would get his win back in six to seven months. Yeah, I, I I mean, if he doesn't, I would question again, you know, there's nothing wrong with having big stars, but at some point you always should be looking towards the future. Now, it's OK for the older guys to win. Like, I, I think it's stupid to think that the young guy always has to win. And there are some cases where I don't agree with the older guys going over Jeff Hardy looking at you, assuming you're not drunk behind a car again. But I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that CM Punk, as Doug said, doesn't have even if we give him the seven years back, we're talking five to 10 years as a main event run anymore. So Adam Page should be there 20 years. MGF should be there 20 years. They should be the guys ultimately who you're building towards as they become the new foundations while the guys like Ricky starts and all those other guys become your next pillars. So yeah, I, I think he will put him over. It's just a matter of when and how the story goes from here. And I'm not saying this will happen. I'm saying that's what I would do. I have a question. Do you think that Forbidden Door had anything to do with the outcome? As in, uh, like, do you, I mean, would you want an Adam Page versus Okada, or would you rather have, like, a uh, CM Punk Okada or, you know, champion versus champion? Or, I mean, I know that Punk said that he is not interested in a, a Kenta match. I never thought they were going to do champion versus champion because I don't think it's a good move because someone has to lose and, and neither company wants their champion to lose. Personally speaking, if Punk doesn't want to face Kenta, so be it. Um, but the match, and we said this before, is Danielson Okada. I actually think it had less to do with Forbidden Door, and I think it had more to do with the uncertainty around the MJF situation. If you don't know whether or not he's going to be there long term, then you probably need to pivot. I don't know when Paige's reign was supposed to end. I predicted all out. Maybe that is going to change, and maybe you know MJF was supposed to win the Casino Battle Royal that never happened. I don't know. I think they have some things to figure out. But for now, if you need a transition champion, you can't pick a better choice than CM Punk. So I think that's a good pivot i don't know how real the mj stuff is you know we could talk about that for an hour and i don't think any of us will ever know the real answer even in 10 years but the truth of the matter is is that once you realize that our original plan isn't going to work you need a backup plan and having a backup plan where you say let's take cm punk and make him the champion i don't think that's a bad idea i I don't think it's the thing that people are freaking out this isn't hogan winning the title again this isn't triple h coming back and winning the title this is a guy who hasn't been champion in 10 years 11 years he's one of your biggest draws it's a good move but i don't think it was forbidden door related i think it has way more to do with mjf maybe not being around like we thought he was and then now we got to figure out where to go from here all right so let's thank our sponsor hostgator are you a blogger or podcaster you're just not happy with your web host you need to check out hostgator.com you're gonna find web hosting made easy and affordable hostgator offers unlimited disk space unlimited bandwidth one click script installs are free so hands on the best control panel out there stop by today and try free demo see how easy it is and if you use a special coupon code off the mark you're gonna save 25 percent off your web hosting packages so what are you gonna lose check out hostgator.com and take a bite out of your web hosting costs also make sure you check out section stickers off the mark page click on the banner at the top to say big on items from wshop.com so contract disputes we have a couple of them that are going on right now um yeah, of course the big one is Sasha Banks and Naomi, but in in, in uh, WWE, but in AEW we have the one with MJF. So, I, you know, Aaron, I just got to ask. I mean, like, do you think what Naomi and Sasha Banks is going to be best for their brand or business in this case? I think it depends, right? So there are a few things at play here. First of all, as Roger had said, uh, you know, some of the stuff, we don't know the entire story, right? You know, you have stooges in the, every company who then will leak stuff to, you know, uh, their, their people, whether it's like Meltzer or Sean Ross Sapp or, or anybody like that, they'll leak certain things. And sometimes you actually talk to the talent as well. Right. So some of the stuff you hear is second and third hand, uh, which is unfortunate, but it's also kind of the stuff that we enjoy, right? It's the drama 
within the wrestling industry. And so Sasha Banks and Naomi, they walked out of WWE. The story goes that they really wanted to make the tag titles, the women's tag titles worth something. And they had uh, plans in place where they were going to wrestle each other. It was going to be a six pack challenge, come down to those two. And then they would wrestle. And I think Naomi was going to win. And then Sasha Banks was going to win another one. And so there's going to be dissension. Can they, can they coexist, you know, like as a tag team? And they were really upset with that because that was different than what they were originally told. And so they had uh, said, like, we're not going to do it. They walked out. WWE suspended them, struck them on the titles and, you know, made a very public thing about it because they they had Michael Cole read some copy that essentially said that they were mad at them, that they they didn't deserve like WWE didn't deserve that. And they did, the WWE universe didn't deserve that. And Corey Graves did a similar thing. And since then, they've been uh, persona non grata. Uh, their, their merch has been pulled uh, from the, the site. And now they're just not talking about them at all. So I think to I kind of stop there. I see their perspective on things, and I definitely understand having frustrations, especially if something is changed last minute. I do think that for their careers, they probably should still should have gone through and then put up a fuss right after that. This does kind of essentially say like, hey, we're not going to do this, and that may hurt them in WWE in the long run if they're both planning on staying there. Obviously, there's other options. Sasha Banks could go to Hollywood. Uh, Naomi potentially could go to AEW or to other places. Um, You know, who knows? But it does kind of, I think, hurt them in the wrestling industry, especially with WWE. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I'm conflicted in this one. I'm very much a, you know, you're paid to do a job. You need to go do your job kind of guy. Uh, It's, they're giving, I understand that they want to build up the women's tag team championships and they want to make them actually feel like they're a real championship thing, even though the men's tag teams championships aren't a real thing. But you're, you're complaining about getting title shots the actual titles you know naomi was going to fight for the what was the smackdown title and sasha banks was going to fight for the raw one maybe i'm getting that reversed but you you're going to complain about getting a title shot for your division in 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 the same company that has the both tag teams on the men's on one team both the championship men's on one guy so why not do the same thing with the women's where you're going to have the tag teams and then put the main championships on both of them? I mean, it's... And you're not of the belief that they were going to beat Bianca nor Ronda. No, I don't think that okay. they were going to. It's just one of those things. It's like, but you couldn't put the possibility of them doing that. I could see WWE being like, hey, what if we do it just for like one week? Wouldn't that be cool? Okay, let's do that for one week. And then have them like... They're, you know, a three-way match or something like that to to give them both both of them to Ronda to make her look that dominant that they're all in a three-way match for unification and then Ronda gets both the titles. Why not? I, I don't know. It's WWE. Everything can change in a week span. Um, I I just <laughs> I, I understand that you got to follow your heart and everything like that, but I I have a hard time getting behind them on this issue. Go ahead, Andy. I want to go last on this one. It, it, it's also kind of weird because, you know, like if you look at the bloodline, Usos and and Roman, they're all like, you know, all related to the rock. So it's also like, OK, well, do you really want to like tick them off? Because, you know, because they're going to like hold their hold their significant other to their contract where they're just going to let that person go. And that's that's the other thing, because. Are they trying to get the way it sounds? They're trying to get the rock for WrestleMania to have it rock versus Roman, which is great. But if Roman's not wrestling, no one cares because at least, you know, Bruno wrestled all the time opposed to Roman. But I, that that's the other thing. So I, I thought, I think I still think it was unprofessional for them just to walk out. I think they should have just said, Hey, I don't want it. This is the last match. We're going to, this is where it's going to be. This is going to be the payoff. Then we don't want to have anything to do with it after that. I think that's what they should have done. But, you know, Sasha has she. I think with her, she's already gone. I think when she took her, her leave of absence, uh, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago, 
I think she was already done then with WWE. And I think she just wants to go. And I don't know where she's going to go. I still think that she'll end up going either to like uh, AAA or to uh, NJPW. It's going to be one of those two. I don't see her doing working full time for AEW right away. I think she's going to go hit there first and then eventually come to AEW when there's a, a spot for her. Maybe she goes full time on the Mandalorian. That is true. She could. Let me preface this with a question for you, gentlemen, because how would you create change in the WWE? What options do you as a wrestler have to say, I am tired of this, fix it? Little to none. What is the one option you do have? Literally not show. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that. I mean, let's be honest about this. When CM Punk got tired of this crap, he left. Did we criticize Punk for leaving? Nope. We said, you know what? Yeah, and you know what? In the sense of, fine, I get that you walked out. But we all understood why he walked out. And truth be told, that WrestleMania main event would have been atrocious had he not walked out. He was 100% in the right for leaving, and we got a better product as a result of it. When Stone Cold walked out, should Brock Lesnar beating Stone Cold Steve Austin on an unadvertised Monday Night Raw first-round King of the Ring match ever be a thing that anyone pitches, let alone Vince McMahon approves? Is that not one of the top ten most stupid ideas you've ever heard in your entire life? The second arguably biggest draw, if not the first biggest draw in history, loses randomly on Raw to Brock Lesnar? Does that mean – so as much as people want to fuss and say, oh, you're paid to do a job and you should have showed up. You have no other leverage but to say, I have to leave. Also, you got to remember, we're in an industry where we tout these accomplishments like 16 world championships and a Royal Rumble win. It's all scripted. None of it is real. You are at the, you're at the behest of your, your the, literally the company that owns you on how successful you are. So it's not like, oh, just give me a chance to go out in the field and let me prove I'm the best. How many guys have we seen wasted who are more talented who never get the shot because they just didn't have 24-inch pythons, brother? I mean, it just is what it is. So do we agree with the way Sasha and Naomi have been booked over the past five years? Would you say they have been utilized properly? I think the answer is no, without really like considering how many times Sasha had never even defended the championship successfully into her most recent run. Take away the fact that she got to finally main event at WrestleMania. She was basically Charlotte's whipping girl for two years. I mean, it was just it was absurd. And why even have women's tag titles if you're not going to treat them with any sort of value or respect? Why are the tag champions losing to Ronda and Bianca for no good reason. Like, does that, does that make you want to watch Hell in a Cell? Does that draw eyeballs to the product? Probably not. I don't think anyone's like, oh, good. I want to watch uh, Sasha lose again to the championship. Could a women's tag division have actually been interesting and fun to watch? I mean, I think the NXT, when they'd done the Dusty Cup, those matches were actually fun. It was actually interesting to see what those ladies could do when actually given an opportunity. And um. If you want change, you have to kind of throw a fit and you have to leave because otherwise nothing will happen. So I don't disagree with them. If they're honestly willing to say I'm out of here, then be done and and walk away and go to the other company. There are other options now. You can go to NJPW. Sasha can go to Hollywood. I think we both agree they'd be great to see an AEW, but – I have no problem with this. I didn't have a problem when Sandy said I'm not going to trust Impact to book me like that because I don't agree. I had no problem when Punk walked out. I had no problem when Stone Cold walks out. Look, all of the power is in the office, and this is the one thing you can do to say I don't agree with this. Otherwise, you know, you know, when we work a job, if I get another offer, I can just leave tomorrow. If, if a company down the road wants to triple my salary, I walk into my boss's office and say deuces, and I'm out of here unless you match. So I can't just walk in to Vince's office and leave. She has to wait it out. So, no, I, I don't think that this is the type of thing that they have to just show up and take it because in any other independent contracting situation, you get to leave when you choose to. And in this case, if they get to hold you to a contract, then I think you should be able to hold them to, hey, there's a certain level of expectation that I was promised, which I think we probably agree putting a championship on means you were promised a certain level of booking and understanding that, hey, we're going to actually push some storylines. And then they didn't. And yeah, I agree with Doug's point that they don't seem to push any of the titles. That doesn't make it okay. That just means you're also failing in other places. So yeah, I 100% behind them. Walk out. And I think more people need to walk out. Mustafa Ali should have walked out. And look at what they did to him. They find, it took him throwing a fit before they gave him any sort of attention. Look how many people have been wasted on the roster until they're about to leave. They just get screwed over. Like This is not the type of company that has treated his performers well enough to be given the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you just got to leave. I, I, what, your last point there, I think, is uh, definitely speaks volumes, which is WWE doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. So uh, I am definitely not in WWE's corner uh, when it comes to to this. Uh, I think for like the CM Punk issue, 
you know, it was a health reason. He's like, I can't, I literally cannot do this anymore. Like, you know, he was crapping himself in the ring, you know, because of what they were having him do. Obviously aired his grievances. I he think didn't some, leave because of health though. If he, they had given him the WrestleMania 30 main event, he would have shown up. Well, but he said that it wasn't his time. Like in uh, the podcast with Colt Cabana, he was like, that was Daniel Bryan's time. Like Daniel Bryan deserved that. And oh, he was no, supposed to wrestle. Triple H if the plan was, hey, punk, you're winning the Rumble and you're going to main event 30, he would have been able to fight through his health issues. Oh, yeah, he would have. And then he would have left. Right. Um, But, you know, I think with with the Sasha Banks and Naomi thing, Sasha Banks, I think, has a lot of options. I don't know if Naomi does. I mean, Naomi is a very like, okay wrestler. I I think Sasha Banks has done, uh, you know, I actually disagree with you. I think that they've done really well by her. Especially, you know, if you think about her feud with Bailey, I think we picked that uh, most of us picked that as like the feud of the year um, when they had done that. And we also picked, you know, one of the two. They were one and two uh, for our wrestlers of the year that year uh, because they actually booked her incredibly well. And they were doing a very good job with that. They were doing a great job with the SmackDown. That was one of the reasons to tune in was because those two. Uh, but I think I think that there is change that you can be made that can be made. I think that. There is probably a lot of steps and most likely they already took those steps where they they go and they plead their case and they say, look, this is what we want to do. This is what what we think should be done with these styles, because while, yes, it is scripted, uh, but it's scripted in a way that it can evolve and things can change and they can pivot and they can be very agile in their storytelling. And if they want to have longer term booking, I think the problem is WWE isn't longer term booking. And so it's one of those where. They can leave, but just like if you're working for a very, very major company, I think it's almost tough to make that change unless you're at the top. So I think Sasha Banks probably could make some sort of change, but I don't know. I look at Stone Cold. I look at CM Punk. They never made change in WWE when they left. I don't know if she's going to be able to. I think CM Punk changed the main event of WrestleMania 30. That is by definition change. You think that he changed it? I think that we it's confirmed by Brian and Punk that the original plan was Brian to lose to Sheamus or, or get his revenge. The mm-hmm. only reason they pivoted was because Punk took his ball and went home. Mm-hmm. Like that, they changed that. The initial plan was Batista winning the Rumble and taking on Orton. We all know that that thing flopped. Like he was an absolute not. Daniel Bryan was not the plan for them going into that mania. They had tried to cool him off. They had given Big Show the yes chant. We know for. I mean, you. We were both there at the the championship celebration ceremony. Garbage. Like, no. That Punk inflicted change one hundred percent by leaving. That is the only way wrestlers will ever be able to have any sort of power. Is they they have to be willing to take their ball and go home because otherwise, what else can they? honestly do there's no there's no threat it's not like wwe is going to go bankrupt anytime soon they can't get out of their contracts i mean so you have to just be willing to take your services and and withhold them like that that's it that is your singular gun your bullet that's it that's all you got would you say it was more short-term change though or long-term change with punk nothing is long-term in wwe i mean in the sense of like did smaller performers get a chance? Yeah. I mean, I, does Seth Rollins get the money in the bank contract in the 31 win? And are they willing to adjust that main event if they didn't adjust the 30 main event? I don't know. You know, it, it's a butterfly effect. Who knows? But I know that we never get the Daniel Bryan moment with Punk still being there. That, in my opinion, is 100%. I don't think we get the CM Punk um, title run if he wasn't willing to say, I'm out of here. After money in the bank, I'm leaving. I think in many ways, him being willing to air his grievances started the, you know what? I'm not just going to sit here and take this garbage anymore. And that was at a time where there was no AEW. Your options were Impact, which were struggling at that point, and go over to Japan. So I think he made some change. How long he made that change? I don't know. Look, I mean, Vince McMahon's, you know, I don't want to do this whole knowing Vince, but he seems like the type of person who wakes up hot and then by the middle of the day, he's freezing cold, right? He changes his mind left and right, like Big Show makes heel turns. He'll face, he'll face, he'll face. It is what it is. But I don't know that you're going to have a situation where if you want something done in WWE and it's the answer to no one, it's basically the buck stops with Vince McMahon. The only leverage you have with Vince is I won't agree to this. You don't have anything else. You can't point to a contract. You can't say I'll go somewhere else because they'll freeze your contract. That's all you can do. So in a situation where it's almost like a hostage situation, you got to take the one available option you have. Now, what about uh, Andy? MJF. Uh, so his situation might be a little bit different from everything that we're hearing about him. Uh, the the saying is that he wants more money, that he signed a contract uh, for, you know, three, four or five years. And he said it, signed it for a set amount. And now he feels that he's worth a lot more. He's trying to negotiate. 
from what we have heard online, it's saying that uh, they want to add, AEW wants to add more uh, years to his contract, but they'll up him. They'll obviously increase his pay, but they want to add more years. MJF just wants them to up the pay. Now, do you think him no showing a meet and greet, leaving the moment after his match is done, and potentially having some talks break down, do you think that it's the same situation, a similar one, or do you think that do you see this one being a little different? I see this one being just just a little bit different, and I think the way that because uh, I can see the whole thing with with Sasha and Naomi why they're doing it. That to me that makes sense. MJF signed his contract, and now he wants more pay, but him no showing or doesn't like because I I really feel like he didn't like the fact that he was going to lose. I think that's what it, what, what it really boils down to. It's not the, really the money thing. I mean, the money thing is there too, but I think that's, that's the main take the main takeaway in this case. Um, I, I, and I think with D- WWE, if they see this and then something happens again, where, where he's like, well, I'm just not going to show for this, or I'm not going to go to these three house shows. Cause I don't want to. And because I want more money, if I'm going to do this, if he does that, like in the middle of a contract, then I think WWE would be dumb to hire him in this case. But no showing the meet and greet, I, I think is a, in a way, I think that was planned. But if he's the only one that didn't, that says something else. So Samoa Joe also missed it. Oh, really? He did. Interesting. Yeah. Brian Alvarez said that that was a mix up. Like that one was a, you know, uh, what was uh, all all on the up and up, you know, it was on the level. I heard that was a, a travel miscommunication, whereas MJF willingly no showed. Now, look, we live in a, a business that is basically gray areas and lies and disinformation. So who knows? But I did hear they were different scenarios. But I, I can also the other thing is I can see that Tony, like you haven't really heard anything like where Tony is like a complete jerk about stuff if he's you know and mjf i know like he he there's that line that he's like he's right there you don't know like what's real and what's not and i think with tony you can just tell when they when he was asked about it he's like i don't even know what's going on and i mean like tony knows the thing or two about stepping over lines and taking bumps and so i mean like i totally agree with you andy now roger uh do you kind of feel the same way about mjf's situation as you do with naomi and sasha or do you see this differently uh, i think it's a different scenario because i think the two things they wanted are different right so sasha and naomi were complaining about their direction and character um but mjf is complaining about money i think it's similar in the sense of the one piece of leverage they both have is to walk out. I appreciate that MJF was willing. I don't think him losing, by the way, Andy, had anything to do with it. I think he had no problem putting over Wardlow. I don't think he is the type of person that cares about, you know, oh, I need to get the win here. Because truth be told, MJF doesn't make his money from his win-loss record. He makes his money from his ability to draw heat at an unbelievable rate. The man could power an entire apartment complex with the level of heat that he gets. So he will always have a, a valuable role in any wrestling company as long as he can continue to be that inflammatory on the microphone i don't think him losing was the problem i think his problem is that he is and i think this will be spun into if they work things out this will be spun into a a, in kind of kayfabe storyline people came in like adam cole kyle o'reilly samoa joe brian danielson john moxley cm punk and got bigger contracts than he did and look are those people worth it absolutely but if i'm mjf and i'm looking at the landscape and going wait a second i am still one of the top four people in this company. All of my feuds have been, quite frankly, money that you've given me the shot. Him and Punk were fantastic. Him and Wardlow. He built Wardlow up to be, he looks like a future superstar. So I don't have a problem with him asking for a raise. I also don't have a problem with Tony Khan saying no. Quite frankly, you did sign the contract. I have no problem with you saying I will be more than happy to give you more money if you sign the extension. But Tony Khan's smart enough to know, hey, if I let you get into a bidding war with WWE, they're going to jack up the price. Also, let's be real, MJF. You are a big deal in AEW. If you really want to test your ball and, and go over to uh, WrestleMania main event night three of a buy one, two, get one free special, go right ahead. But I don't, I don't think that's where you really want to go. But I have no problem with MJF doing what he did. He put over Wardlow. He was a great heel in the match. It was fine. They're going to stretch him out. 
Part of me still believes this is a bit of a work in the sense that I think there's a real dispute, but I think they've already come to enough of an agreement that this was the plan the entire time. Because all that happened is the crowd just hated MJF. What That match, we were 100% sure Wardlow was going to win up until the MJF news broke, and then everyone was wondering, is he even going to show up? They put a lot more interest in a match that was a foregone conclusion than it had any right to be. So I don't see a problem with this. I think they will work things out because it would just be too stupid not to. This is NJF and Tony Khan need each other equally. It is stupid for either one of them to leave one another. So I think they will work it out. But I think he's got a legitimate gripe. Like, you know, we've all worked at companies. It is annoying when you watch 10 coworkers come in and they all make more money than you. And you're like, well, where's my pay raise? Do I have to leave and go to the other company to get more money? And if so, then it's time for me to go. But I don't think he wants to leave. And I don't think Tony wants to let him leave. But then you need to jump up his number. Like, there's no salary cap here, Tony Khan, and you're a billionaire, so it's not like you can't afford it. It's just, are you willing to do it? And how much do you value MJF? That's the real question here. I, uh, I agree with the fact that it is two different situations in the fact that MJF is going for more money and they're going for more storyline. Um, but, but again, I will say that you know, you were you agreed to a contract. You agreed to do this for this amount of pay. You do that. You want to wait. You know, do do what you're supposed to do for whatever the length of the contract is. You, he can complain all he wants on his own time and everything, or even when he has the mic, that's fine. I just, I, you know, you didn't hurt the company by no showing the the meet and greet. You hurt the fans because the company's still going to get the money. I mean, I know they, they quickly and correctly went and either offered the people refunds or to move their meet and greet to any other wrestler that was there. So, uh, you know, good for AEW doing that. But, again, when you agree to do something, I, I think you should be held to your word. Um, I had no problem with him wanting an ex- not an extension but the more pay, but maybe work out some kind of thing. Um I, I had to laugh when Roger mentioned about how I, I think I'm the only one here that has, I, I have contract. I have a contract with the city uh, that I work for, but I, I know what I get paid. I know what everybody on my department gets paid. If you're new, you don't get much money. If you're old, you get a lot of money and it's, it's set. It doesn't matter if you're man, woman, whatever you want to call yourself. It, it is what it is. So I have a very different aspect of, uh, you know, I don't get a bonus. I don't get performance bonuses. I don't get anything like along those lines. I have a set thing where I am going to make this much money, whether I work so many days or whether I work not, you know, or like vacation time or sick time or whatever it is, I'm going to get paid the same no matter what. So I have a little bit different view and maybe that's where it comes from, but uh, I get paid to to show up to work. What I do at work <laughs> is sometimes, you know, it might not be as much as the, the next person, but we all get paid basically the same. You aren't an independent contractor, though, correct? I'm not an independent contractor. I mean, the I, I say we are a union, I guess. That's more of the contract that I'm talking about is uh, the union aspects of contract negotiations and everything like that we set a price range we set you know benefits and whatnot like that um so we fight for that but once that contract is set that's you you can't really go uh i mean we can renegotiate but the city if if we want to say hey we, we deserve this because we did this this and this um let's say we go and get a, a giant um you know income I don't want to say income, but let's say we go get a giant seizure. It's not like we can go, okay, well, we worked really hard to get that seizure. I think you need to share that with the officers. No, it's not that. It, the city gets the money flat out. Whether, and whether I put 100 hours into that project or whether I put you know, t- two hours into that pop project, I'm, I'm set. This is what I'm going to get. I just go, go do my job, and um, that's what it is. And can the city let you go at a moment's notice? Yes. Almost. Almost. Because it, it, it's, it is one of those things, though, too, is that they can, um, you know, whether it's the, the, the city will find some kind of excuse to get rid of you. And you'll have to go into a long legal battle and everything like that. Sometimes we win. Sometimes we lose. Um, 
But I mean, the same thing though is like if I get let go and I want to go argue it, do I really want to come back to the same city that just let me go for a dumb reason or whatever excuse they can come up with? Or uh, do I want to take my bag and go to the next company or city? Um, but then you also run into that problem of, well, one city let you go. Why would this next city want you? So just to make sure I understand this correctly, they can let you go whenever you want, but you can't leave whenever you want. I can leave where, whenever I want. I can oh, so if you got a better offer, you can dip out tomorrow. Yes. So, okay. That's what I wanted to make sure of. Yeah, I, I can leave. They can also force me out if, if they want. So that was the core of my argument was that we get to leave. If someone wants to triple our offer, we leave tomorrow. If right. WWE says, MJF, I'll give you $10 million a year, he can't go anywhere. So this isn't the same scenario, in my opinion, because, again, I like my company. But if Microsoft say, hey, I'll give you $200,000 a year to sit at home and play video games, you best believe I'm signing on the dial line. I'm out of here. So I think what it comes down to is that all three of them have a contract that they are obviously having some disputes with. And at the end of the day, whatever changes that are going to be made are going to be made for them or by them or with them. And in the case of MJF, other companies might think that he's going to be hard to work with. And maybe they're not going to be working with him. Maybe WWE looks at him and they say, you know what? We're interested in him, but maybe for a little bit less money, just in case he does no show, just in case he doesn't do show up for these things. Maybe they put them in the contract. I know Cody had said that there were so many things put into his contract in order to make it specific enough for him to be there for the, the amount of years. And I think similarly with Sasha, Sasha, somebody for AEW, I would hire in a heartbeat. And AEW has a much less string, strenuous schedule, and you can probably trust the booking with, with Tony. But anything could change. Maybe Tony brings in somebody new. Maybe he really likes Eric Bischoff for some reason out of nowhere. And he brings him aboard. He's like, why don't you book the show? And then Sasha gets a little scary. So she wants in her contract, like, hey, I want to make sure that things are taken care of. And so I think the choices that were made are going to affect them. And they might affect them for the not just the short term, but they might affect them for the long term. All right, so that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the Twitter, you follow the show on Altmark86. I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and editing the podcast, and I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Roger Cave, Doug Hahn, and Aaron Hughes, I'm Andrew Hughes, and until next time, we'll see you in the ring.